This is recording number 10840 from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Vallejo, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, November 1st, 2009. This is the first message in the series by Randy Bolt titled, Thanksgiving A Way of Life. This message is titled, The Real Thing. Thanksgiving as a way of life. I'm grateful that in our country uh, we have a holiday, Thanksgiving Day, one year or one day out of a year when we pause to give thanks. Now, if you're if you're not uh, a believer, I'm not sure who you thank, but at least you can have some turkey and watch a football game, and that's not a bad thing. <laughs> but I think that the Bible is pretty clear. That Thanksgiving is not something to reserve for just a holiday, but something that should permeate, should fill, should be uh, kind of the atmosphere of our lives on an ongoing basis. And I'll admit right up front that this series of messages is designed for me. I'm going to be preaching to myself over the next four weeks, and uh, if you want to come along, that'd be fine. But I am definitely... I am definitely the cup half empty guy. <laughs> when they thought that up, they, they were using me for the model. And I am so grateful that God sent me such a wonderful wife who is uh, not, not just the cup half full, the cup full. All the time, the cup is full. And so that helps me a great deal. Uh, but I really, I want to uh, learn afresh how to live my life more like, more like her, but, but uh, truly more like God intends for each of us, not just some uh, kind of, uh, in some sort of fashion that denies the realities of life's struggles. That's not the point. But finding that place where God is worthy of our praise and thanks in the midst of every circumstance and living there. So that's what we're going to talk about. And uh, today, we're going to begin with a message uh, called The Real Thing. Because we're going to talk about what real thanksgiving is, or what real gratitude is. Now, I want to ask you to join with me in looking at Luke chapter 17. The book of Luke is the, four, uh, the, excuse me, the third book in the New Testament. It starts Matthew, then Mark, and then Luke. So if you find that place in your Bible that divides the Old from the New Testament, you're, uh, you're on your way. Luke chapter 17. And we're going to read verses 11 through 19. So follow along as I read. Now it happened as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him Ten men who were lepers. Now, what that means is that they had a disease called leprosy. Thankfully, uh, modern medicine has pretty much wiped out uh, leprosy. It is not a death sentence anymore. Um, however, in those days, uh, it was uh, it, it was more like. Um, uh, HIV AIDS in a sense, even though uh, today uh, we are able to help people who have HIV AIDS live 
pretty, pretty long and, and uh, uh, fr- uh, productive lives, it still is uh, incurable. And leprosy was like that. It was a death sentence. It was incurable, and it was considered to be so uh, contagious that you couldn't be around people. You were banished to colonies of lepers and could have no interaction with the general public. Um, a, a very devastating, uh, horrific disease. And Jesus came across 10 peop- men who had leprosy. And evidently, I mean, it's clearly uh, that they stood far off. They weren't able to approach him, but they knew that he, um, by whatever means, the word of mouth or or assume that's the case, they've come to understand that Jesus has been working miracles and and that uh, these men who are absolutely hopeless are coming to uh, try to get as close as they can to the one that might be able to help them. So, uh, verse, tw- uh, verse 12, Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. Now, the reason that he said that is because in the Old Testament, God had given specific uh, instructions about what someone with leprosy should do when they are healed. I find that just incredible, that God uh, made very specific, a very specific pathway to, to re-entry into the uh, broader culture uh, after having come to healing. So he was making provision for miraculous healing of an incurable disease. And so these men, of course, they knew about this. And so when Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priests, they knew he was saying, you are being healed. Can you imagine? Put yourself in their shoes. Absolutely hopeless. A disease ravaging your body that robs you of everything, including relationships. You come to the one that is your only hope, and he gives you what your heart desires. Man, that would just be cause for rejoicing if there ever was. So the end of verse 14 says, And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed, which means healed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his, uh, on his face at his, Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And this is always uh, uh, interesting to note because the Samaritans and the Jews, which Jesus uh, was, had no interaction whatsoever. The Jews hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans were considered um, unworthy of, of even, uh, even speak, being spoken to. They were unworthy of, in the minds of the Jews, any favor from God whatsoever because they were half-breeds and uh, I could go on. But the fact that this one out of the ten who was a Samaritan and came back to thank Jesus is even a more remarkable statement. And he, before he gets to the priest, he's postponing. He's postponing 
the process that would allow him to be reunited with his family, reintegrated into the community. He's putting that off to make sure that he gives Jesus God thanks. Verse 17, so Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found, excuse me, who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. In saying that, he wasn't withdrawing his gift of healing from the other men. So let's don't, be, don't misunderstand that. He gave this gift of healing to the other nine freely. And they were on their way to, do, uh, to experience the, all the results and the joy of that. Of that. But this one man, this Samaritan, returns, bows before Jesus and gives thanks. And he says... Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And I'm going to um, kind of piggyback on or use as a backdrop the fact that there were ten healed and nine who did not return to give thanks uh, just to set up a, a discussion about ten forms of gratitude. We'll talk about nine that are uh, false, <laughs> or, or uh, lacking in integrity, let's put it that way, and one form of genuine, uh, genuine gratitude. So we're going to be discussing the real thing, what real gratitude looks like. Here are ten forms of gratitude. First, obedient. Now this is like... Uh, your child at the birthday party and you keep saying, tell him thank you, say thank you, say thank you. And the kid doesn't, you know, doesn't care. He's saying, yeah, thanks, 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 as he's ripping into everything, right? Just doing what's required. Another form of uh, gratitude is the polite gratitude. This is like when my mother-in-law gave me a, 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 a nylon leisure suit. Now, it probably, would be in, it probably would be in style now, but uh, it was plaid, <laughs> and it was, the fiber was so fake it could stand up by itself. Anyway, so she gives this to me, and it's, and I, thank you. Right? Another form of gratitude is, is the habitual gratitude. This is the kind that happens at the grocery checkout where you, you thank them for taking your money. They thank you for, giving, for you giving them your money. You thank them for putting it into a, a grocery sack. They thank you that you've come in the store. It's just thank you. It's this orgy of thank you that happens around the grocery uh, checkout. There's the ceremonial form of gratitude, as on Thanksgiving Day. Well, you know, what else are you supposed to do is before we dive into this turkey? You know, you say, thanks. There is a religious form of gratitude, as in worshiping insincerely, um, trying to gain spiritual points. You know what this is like. I won't ask for a show of hands, but you come and, you, you know, you raise your hands, you lift your voice, and you're thinking about the 49ers later in the afternoon. <laughs> and Jesus said, these worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We've all been there. We know what that's like. It ain't good. There's the sarcastic form of gratitude, which is, when we, when we mean the opposite, I do this all the time. Something bad happens and I go, oh, thank you. Right? 
There's the reluctant form of gratitude, as when someone you don't like does something nice for you. Thanks. You know, you don't know what to do, you know. There is the um, prideful form of gratitude, which is smug or pharisaical, as in a condescending comparison. Uh, Jesus told a parable about um, a Pharisee who was praying, saying, Oh, thank you, God, that I'm not like those awful sinners. <laughs> there's the deceitful kind of gratitude. Uh, this is where there's, uh, this is offered with a hidden agenda. Some of you will remember the, the uh, 1950s sitcom Leave It to Beaver and a guy named Eddie Haskell. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. False gratitude. Oh, Mrs. Cleaver, that's the best sandwich you've ever made, I've ever had in my whole life. And what he's trying to do is ingratiate himself with Mrs. Cleaver. False gratitude. And then there's the genuine. The genuine. And that's what's demonstrated by this one out of the ten who returns to thank Jesus. And it's marked by humility. He bows before the Lord, recognizing that the one who has blessed him is far greater than he could ever be. Genuine gratitude is humble. It's also honest. Genuine gratitude is not, not offered in denial as though uh, there isn't any sort of um, conflict or struggle or problem, but it recognizes, genuine gratitude recognizes that regardless of the circumstances, there's something or someone to be grateful for or to. It's also heartfelt. There's an investment of soul in uh, genuine gratitude. It comes from somewhere deep, not just from uh, your lips, but somewhere deep inside of you. Genuine gratitude flows from there. You know that uh, these men, these ten lepers, are a lot like you and me. Their condition of leprosy is so much like what each one of us have experienced as a result of our sin. Um, leprosy is progressive. It usually begins as a simple little rash kind of looking spot on, on your skin, your flesh somewhere. But it grows. Sin always begins somewhat innocuously. Always, you know, we dabble in something and we think it's no big deal, but left untreated, it grows to take over our lives. Leprosy is numbing. Leprosy attacks the nervous system in a way that causes it to be really a relatively painful disease, painless disease. Even though it is eating away at, at a person's flesh, there's very little pain involved because the, the nervous system is attacked. The, the nerves are eaten away as well. And that is so much like sin. Those three young men that I asked you to pray for earlier today have been involved in some of the, some of the grossest 
uh, I mean, at a very young age, some of the grossest iniquity that, that you can imagine. And life has hurled so much tragedy their way. It's just, it breaks your heart. And yet they've become, at 16, 17, numb to it. Numb to it. But you and I, were much older. We, we still, apart from the grace of Jesus Christ, we know what it's like to live uh, with sin ravaging our, our lives, making a mess of everything, every relationship, everything. And it's as though it's no big deal. Uh, leprosy is also isolating. When you had leprosy, you, were, you, find your, you found yourselves uh, removed from all the meaningful relationships in your life. And it's interesting, this lie that we have, that, or that we, many of us buy, that uh, by sinning, we are making our way into a network of relationships. You know, uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, uh, an incredible mind, uh, this Christian uh, who, man who was, uh, who many of you have read his books and things, a real thinker, you know. He, he wrote a book called The Great Divorce. And in it, his descriptions of what hell would be like are just amazing. But the overarching theme from his vantage point in consideration of Scripture and as he's trying to explain, as, you know, as best as any of us can explain, what hell would be like, the predominant theme is isolation. You're there with everybody but nobody. Separated from everything that's good, everything that brings value to life. But sin does that. It causes us to to find ourselves in a more lonely, isolated place than any of us want to admit. Leprosy, like sin, or sin like leprosy, is also incurable apart from the grace of Jesus Christ. But thank God for the grace of Jesus Christ, the unmerited favor of Jesus Christ. And we're going to be talking over the next few weeks about, you know, how we can be grateful. One of the things that people have a problem with, I have a problem with, with regard to living a lifestyle of gratitude is figuring out what do I do when things aren't going well? How do you thank God for stuff that, you know, is, is miserable? <laughs> well, you don't, it's not about thanking God for what's miserable. It's about thanking God that in the midst of whatever's miserable, he's still worthy of praise. And I don't, I'm not going to preach that sermon today, but uh, we're going to be talking about things like that. But the starting point of a life of thanksgiving is thank God for his grace. Every day of my life, no matter what's going on, every moment of every day of my life, God is worthy of my praise for his grace. For his grace saved me from sin.